Welcome to Hospitality Meets with me, Phil Street, where we take a light-hearted look into the stories and individuals that make up the wonderful world of hospitality. Today's guest is David McDowell, Group Chief Operating Officer at the awe-inspiring Brewdog. Coming up on today's show, David makes a fan of Phil in one sentence. If you ever come in for a pint, bring the, bring the dog with you. Phil demonstrates consistency from all his other shows. Anyway, that's incredibly irrelevant, but... Um, but never mind. And David tells us Brewdog's five-point strategy for success. Priority number one, two, three, four, five for us is beer. All that and so much more as David talks us through his story and journey to date, as well as some excellent content on leadership, the Brewdog way. Don't forget, we launch a brand new episode each week, so hit that subscribe button and give us a like and a share across your favourite social channels. Let's share those stories as far as we can. In addition, we're extremely proud to be supporting Hospitality Aid, a Live Aid-style concert fully streamed online around the world, packed full of performing talent from within the industry. Head over to experience101.co.uk to get involved. We need everyone behind it. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to the next edition of Hospitality Meets with me, your host, Phil Street. And today, I'm not going to beat around the bush because I'm conscious that uh, this man is is a busy man. He'll have a lot to do, but just delighted to welcome to the show David McDowell from Brewdog. Hi Phil, delighted to be here. Thanks for How are you doing? I'm all right. Yeah, yeah. Um, what is it people say these days as, as well as can be expected in the circumstances? So uh, yeah. um, we're busy. Time is passing remarkably quickly and uh, like everyone, we're just trying to forge a, a path through this. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. You kind of become preconditioned to a response, don't you? Yeah. My preconditioned response in the run-up to this which dated back all the way back to the beginning of my career was always absolutely wonderful how are you kind of thing but now it is as you say it's just like I say that and then I go oh actually I'm okay (laughs) yeah but yeah yeah well uh, yeah as I say I'm very conscious of every every word that you use these days even more than ever absolutely so just to talk us through very quickly your your role what are you and what are you responsible for? Um, I'm David. I'm the Chief Operating Officer at Brewdog. And effectively, that means that, you know, I sit on the, sit on the board here at Brewdog and oversee the day-to-day operations of our, of our business. Um, so that a big chunk of that is, is, our, is our pubs and bars business, so 102 locations around the world. Um, and over and above that, I, you know, I look after the teams that run our brewing production and logistics operations, our commercial and marketing teams, our, our people functions. So, basically, all of the all of the day to day functions that that keep the uh, the good ship Brewdog sailing day to day. So, um, yeah, busy, busy old, busy old job, and 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 work with a a very awesome and dedicated team. Yeah, the what I was doing. Uh... A little bit of research just to to get my head around the I suppose the scope of of what the business is now and obviously that kind of is probably changing on a, a bit of a daily basis but I, there was a moment of comedy for me on on your website when I looked at the uh, the coming soon bars obviously I'm sure that may be yeah. subject to change but it said <laughs> Mumbai Rotterdam Shanghai and Bradford and I just I had an LOL moment with that yeah. Yeah, we're most we're most excited about Bradford. Yeah. Uh, you know, the coming soon list has always been a bit like that. You know, I, I think it's it's you know we we can't we can never be accused of having 
a particularly strategic geographical plan. Right. <laughs> um, and but you know, and over the years, you know, when you're when you're, at, I joined when we had ten or eleven sites, and um, and when you're when you're when you're kind of drawing the map towards twenty to thirty, and it's predominantly UK focused, then you know you can go and you can go and spend the fortune on someone to do the mapping for you, or you can use a bit of common sense and work out that you know Manchester. Liverpool, a couple in London, Edinburgh, Glasgow, Aberdeen, so on and so forth. So at first that was straightforward, and and then the scope of the business just got to where towards where it is now, where the opportunities became more and more global. So we now we export our beer to sixty odd, I think maybe sixty three different markets around the around the world. Now we operate bars in fifteen or sixteen sixteen countries, and prior to the last seven or eight weeks or so, it felt like for myself and the team, then a good chunk of our life was was spent being experts on international airports and airport lounges. So um, yeah. yeah, Mumbai Mumbai is half built. Shanghai they've just restarted the build on Shanghai actually, which is exciting. I don't know how or or when I will ever get there, but yeah, um, uh, that's forging ahead. Rotterdam's almost almost ready to to rock once things kind of quieten down a little bit. And um, and yeah, uh, Bradford. So this year was this year was. 28 to 30 new locations which is similar to what we've done over the past two or three years or so and um this year was the first year that there were more franchise locations than 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 managed locations which was a key thing for us um and last year was the first year that there was more more international locations than the uk locations so it just evolves every year yeah, I've also just realised that there's uh, there's an elephant in the room that we need to to address. That uh, you're from Scotland. Aye. Which part uh, do you originate from? I'm sitting in the I'm sitting in Glasgow's leafy west end at the moment, um, and that's yeah, Glasgow's Glasgow's always been home. Right. Do you find uh, I certainly find this that if if you ever meet somebody from Scotland, when you're not in Scotland, you have to ask them where they're from. In Scotland, <laughs> I hadn't really thought of that actually, but <laughs> I, I, I probably always do that. Yeah. Yeah, and then when you're in Scotland and you meet somebody from Scotland, you never ask them where they're from. But um, <laughs> quite the opposite. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, that's incredibly irrelevant, but um, but never mind. So let's go all the way back to the beginning. Talk us through how you kind of got into the industry and 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 just talk us through your journey to date. No, mine is a is a a story that's probably mimicked by you know dozens and hundreds and thousands of other operators out there. So I mean, I I, I, I was studying marketing and communications at university, and lo and behold, paid my way through that partly by having um, a job in a pub, and was was better at the job in the pub than I was at university. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, was more motivated by the job in the pub than I was motivated by university was perhaps more motivated by the fact that earning a little bit of money from the job in the pub meant that I could you know go out and socialize and go to clubs and go to gigs and and, and that kind of stuff so naturally it became clear that when when university got came to an end that I would I would probably move full time into into hospitality and you know there was just a connection with hospitality overall um, but particularly with pubs at a, a very early point and I think that you know it started out because that was my social circle and it was an opportunity to learn and earn earn a little bit of money but but I think I quickly started to realize that there was actually a career opportunity I saw some people moving 
moving through the ranks and, and, and was excited by the opportunity to try and follow suit. And I was also amazed, even at an early stage, that I felt like I could learn more about business, working in a pub, working in a live environment, working in a business that had you know, team and people and customers and costs and, and, and you know, service issues and whatever on a day-to-day basis. And I felt I could learn more about business by doing that than I could sitting, you know, sitting in a, in a lecture room. So, yeah. Uh, so yeah, there was, there was a real, there was a real connection with the power of, of pubs, bars and hospitality from, from quite an early age. I'm not sure if I realized that at the time, but, but looking back, then I know that's what got me excited and got me out of bed in the morning. Yeah. Um, so so yeah, moved into uh, the pub I was working in was was owned by would be called Bass Leisure Retail at the time, kind of morphed into M and B. And years after that, I went into their. I was lucky enough to kind of step into their their graduate program, and 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 within a couple of years of doing that, so kind of early twenties, I, I was a, a I think I think the title was licensed house manager at the time. Uh, running a running a pub in the Merchant City in Glasgow, right, and that was just a, a you know a great opportunity. Moved through that and worked as a restaurant manager in a number of couple of independent restaurants, and then um, um, I'm, I'm skipping a little bit, but then moved into a role at the, at the G1 Groups, an awesome Scottish business that I was with for a number of years, um, and I ran a I was GM of a place called the Corinthian Club, so I was the GM there when I was 25 or 26 or so. So it was a huge leaf of faith for them to give me the keys to a place like that, which was, you know, it's 36,000 square feet at, at its peak, a couple of hundred people in the team and in a, in a really, a really big business, a kind of six, seven million turnover a year business. So I had to pinch myself a few times that I was, you know, tasked with running a business of that scale. But it was it was just a fantastic, very, very on the job apprenticeship about running large scale hospitality. So loved that worked my way through the ranks and spent ended up spending six years on the board at, at, at G1 as group operations director. Um, by the time I left, we had 60-odd, 65 managed locations. I was responsible for running running the managed business. There was also 110, 120 tenanted pubs and a couple of thousand people in the team. So, um, uh, yeah. you know, that was that, that was awesome. Was Was working away there and one day got asked to, Go and have a coffee with James, one of the founders of, of Brewdog. That turned into a beer, unsurprisingly, really? um, an afternoon <laughs> beer. Uh, <laughs> and I should have, I should have realised that. And um, and we, you know, I wasn't really looking to do anything, but we really hit, we really hit it off. And yeah, they had nine or ten, ten pubs at that point in time. Um, they'd done a brilliant, you know. Obviously, I knew a lot about the business because. Uh, the guys have done a great job of kind of punching above their weight from a, a media and noise and PR perspective. So, yeah. and I've been in a few of the pubs, so uh, really excited to chat. And we kind of hit some common ground on where where that business could go. They they didn't have any kind of real retail leadership or licensed retail leadership within the the, the team, so they wanted to bring someone in. And when I initially joined Brewdog. I mean, that was a Thursday. I think on the Monday, I was up at L and meeting the rest of the team where the brewery is. Um, and then, uh, you know, worked my six months notice. And then when I initially joined Brewdog, I was I was the CEO of, of the pubs business. And and that pubs business went over the next four or five years from from 10 to, to, over, a, to over 100. 
Wow. Um, and that was a that's that's been a heck of a journey and something that we're that we're very proud of here at, at Brewdog. And so that I've been five and a half years now in the Brewdog team. Um, the first four years was was you know was was on you know on the on the group board, but predominantly responsible for the day to day running and the growth, strategic growth of the pubs business. And then by year year or so ago, I moved into the the the, the group chief operating officer role and um and, and took a kind of wider responsibility for the day-to-day operations of our our, our beer and brewing business as well yeah well hell, that sounds like a hell of a scope i need to, I need um, to breathe now yeah <laughs> so that's probably, <laughs> in, in seven minutes that's that's kind of the long and short of it yeah okay well i i've not kind of known about you I kind of got to know you and what you're all about really just through these last few weeks because I've seen you quite active uh, out and about. Obviously, I'm aware of Brewdog. I'm a, I'm a fan of the products from a, a, a retail perspective. Admittedly, I've never stepped foot in one of your pubs, but um, hopefully I can rectify that on the, the other side of this. We need to fix that. Yep. Yeah, kind of the active element of you. I've seen you kind of lobbying recently and, and the like. Is yeah. that something that's come about because of the situation we're in, or have you always been that way inclined? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess always been that way in, inclined. I think there's just more, and, and I think as you as you grow within your role and you grow within the, the business that you're 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 kind of running, then I think we all have we all kind of accept a wider responsibility to support this sector that has been so good to us all, given us brilliant opportunity. And that you know we're we're really passionate about so always to an extent, but I think there's there's just been a little bit more to talk about over the past couple of months, hasn't there? So, yeah. and if there's any way, uh, you know, my view has been if there's any way that the challenges, how we're approaching the challenges of navigating our way through this as a hospitality business or a brewing business or whatever, if there's any way that that can help other businesses in the sector, then great. We we want to do that. And therefore, would be as open and transparent as we possibly can be about, you know, what's good, what's bad, what we're working on, what we're frustrated with, and and what we think the often what I think the the interventions or resolutions are, are that are needed to help hospitality survive this and hopefully one day thrive on the other side of this. Yeah, no, absolutely, I I, I couldn't agree with you more. I uh, also, in my my research, I, I saw something, and I don't know if you guys still do this, but it definitely sparked my interest. Do you still do the puppy paternity? <laughs> we do, yeah. So one of, uh, I'll go back to the start of the story. So I think one of, for us, we've often talked about the fact that you know, internal is kind of the new external. So people want to know the nuts and bolts of the inside of a business, and they're really fascinated by it more and more and more. Yeah, and and we've always wanted to be really honest about the fact that we really strive to be, you know, as proactive and forward-thinking and employer as we possibly can be. You know, when you're at when you're doing what we're doing and growing at the rate that Brewdog has grown over the last number of years, then um, and have grand and audacious and ambitious plans, then you're only going to get you're not even going to get half the way there without a team that are really properly engaged on the mission and the journey so yeah from a very early point one of the reasons that i think you know i, I hopefully has off with the team at an early stage was that we 
we wanted to work really hard to to try and think differently about what a hospitality employer is. So there've been a number of ways that we've we've done that over the year. We're the first multiple operator to be a a, a, a real living wage foundation accredited employer. We launched a thing called the Unicorn Fund, where we take ten percent of the profit from every every site um, and share it evenly amongst the team that that work there. Um, and puppy paternity was was kind of born of of that train of thought um, of of trying to be a forward thinking employer. So effectively, if you are a Brewdog team member, you will you get a week of paternity if you get a new dog. Yeah. If you ever come to the offices in Brewdog, you'll find that there's dogs everywhere. Um, we we openly encourage that, and our pubs are all really dog friendly as well. And right at the start, the business was we always say the business was founded by two men and a dog. So James and Martin. Um, uh, and Bracken, James's dog. So there's a reason for that that thinking. But yeah, our team get a our team get a week off if they get a new dog. We 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 launched that internally. I think it kind of leaked a little bit, and then we're, so we we did a press release and a blog about it. Um, and the next thing you know, it was all over international media and became became quite a big thing. So it was good fun. Yeah. Well, I mean, great, great publicity, and I think a really positive thing. I'm a dog owner, so I'm, I immediately feel a connection to your business, even without knowing the ins and outs of your business. Uh, and I actually spoke to somebody about this this morning, right? And they said to me, "Oh my God, are they hiring?" That was the that was the words that came out of their mouth. Well, yeah. Have you ever come in for a pint? Bring the bring the dog with you. Yeah, and and that's the thing. I I, I absolutely will. But the um the the thing that I always love about dog friendly businesses in the sense of what you're doing as well at your offices is I couldn't even comprehend bringing my dog in to the office because she's a beagle and she <laughs> is just a nightmare. Yeah. She, everything is just interesting. So she just wouldn't sit still and I'd never get any work done. Only works for some dogs for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Great. Okay. So during your career so far, which spans how many years are we at now? How long have you been in the industry? So, I mean, I, right, I, I guess right back to the start of working in pubs is now, I, do you know what, I've never worked this out, so this is going to be frightening, but in 23 years. That probably gives your age away as well. Yeah, thanks for that. Yeah. <laughs> From the very earliest point that I was legal to work in a pub to now is 23 years. So. Right, okay. Look, look, we now know your age and appreciate your honesty. <laughs> um, Thank you for that. Have you ever had anything hilarious or stupid happened to you over your career <laughs> a wide list of things <laughs> Phil, and, and uh, but <laughs> where do we where do we begin and do you know what isn't it isn't it just a a fun environment to work in there's always you know that i think that we we're drawn towards hospitality because we you know um, we, right, you know, we're social animals and we enjoy you know, delivering hospitality. We we enjoy creating environments where people can experience a bit of escapism and have a have a great time. So we're we're lucky to work in a, a, a sector and an environment that isn't stuffy or formal. And yeah. so tons of stuff goes on. I think the funniest that I'll, you know the one that I always tell that is linked to life at Brewdog was that uh, yeah I was I was I was working um, my notice in my old job helping out a little bit at Brewdog during that time and getting geared up to start um i think the first day was planned to be the third of january or something yeah 2015 and we're starting to chat to james about what an induction might look like 
and he was being he was being really quite cagey about it actually and I thought you know these guys just aren't they're just not organized there's no plan here so I'll, it's fine I'll just turn up and get stuck in and forge my own path and um, and find out what's going on and and eventually I got a note from James explaining exactly what we were going to do on the 3rd of January 2015 and, and he was like we're going on a leadership away day or a couple of days and we're traveling at the coldest point of the year I'd just like to say we're traveling to to Norway the tip of Norway and we're going swimming with orca whales crikey so we're on killer whale safari and I was like okay so before I'd even spent a full day in the office before I'd spent a full day with our teams in the pubs the very first day that I'd spent with the full leadership team at Brewdog was heading out early January to 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 travel and 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 swim with orca whales so that was um uh, uh, certainly the I think the most <laughs> unique and interesting induction to the business yeah. that I could have expected. No doubt. Set me up well for working in this environment. Yeah. And whenever whenever we're doing any work with our people team or training team and starting to think about evolution of our induction and onboarding process, then I have that I enjoy telling that story. So yeah, that was a that was a, an interesting start to my time at Brudo. Are you working towards that for everybody to do that? Uh, as an induction yeah that's the plan yeah yeah that's the plan so uh, <laughs> we, we think it sets you up well so part-time bartenders everyone you know hopefully hopefully one day we'll we'll, we'll send them all on orca wheel uh, orca safari before they get started pulling pints yeah so a question for you and i want you to be a hundred percent honest have that's i mean that's heavily loaded isn't it ah. have you ever had uh, a verbal or a written warning I don't think I have actually. Really? Do you know that's disappointing? I, I have. No, I don't think I have. Do you know I've messed a load of stuff up? I think I've been lucky to work with leaders and in organisations where it was kind of uh, you know it was kind of okay to mess up as long as you were forging, as long as you're heading in the right direction and you had the right intentions. And uh, do you know what I haven't? And but I uh, and and maybe that's forged my my own approach to to i hate this word disciplinaries and the like uh, yeah um i think it's a ridiculous and outdated <laughs> way of attempting to manage people and i think that from a leadership perspective those leaders who, who use that formal disciplinary process to manage their teams are doing it because they have failed fundamentally at properly leading and managing their teams and having the right type of direct, open, face-to-face communications every single day about the good and the bad stuff. Yeah. It means that you don't have to do that. You know, we, you know, we, we don't have a, we don't have an annual review process here, or a quarterly review check-in here at Brewdog. Because for me, if you have to wait to the end of the quarter for someone to tell you if you've done a good job or a bad job, then your 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 managers failed quite dramatically. So. Yeah, I could make one up, but I definitely haven't had a disciplinary. And I'm now only realising that that's probably forged my view of how useless and what a complete waste of time the disciplinary process is. That's that's really, really interesting. I, I 100% see where you're, where you're coming from. And I think as a, I, I'm completely on board as well. I think the, there's a lot of people hide behind process when actually 
if you just spent a, a lot more time communicating. And actually, it comes back to a, another piece of research that I, I did on you. I read in a an interview that you did before where somebody asked you something along the lines of if you had 2000 emails in your inbox, how many would you answer in a day or something like that? And And your answer, I think, probably sums up what you've just said, is that I wouldn't answer any of them. I'd be, and if you know, if people were behaving that way, I'd be questioning why they're not out in the business and kind of really, you know, understanding the 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 heartbeat of what's going on. Because then, as you say, you're not waiting for for three months for it to become a problem where somebody you know, realizes at that point you you're, you're it's a day day to day occurrence. Whenever I look at that, and there are times when you look at your inbox, aren't they, and you and you see you know, you know 800 emails and what the hell am I going to going to do about them and whenever I, I look at that then I, and sometimes that that naturally gives you just a little bit of tension does it have I got 800 things on my to-do list well guess what you don't and if any one of those 800 emails were actually really really business critical important then I bet you 10 other person would pick up the phone to you so um, um and, yeah. and, and, and that's been a, a principle for me and for us at, at Brewdog actually the kind of I was inspired by a, a quote that I think it's from the I think it's from Danny Meyer from Union Square Hospitality Group, which is the bigger we get, the smaller we need to act, and 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 we we believe that here. And I think the way that one way that that comes across is that we believe in flat, lean, kind of anti-hierarchical structures. If I pronounce that properly, um, do, and we believe do. that our <laughs> leaders need to be as close. Uh, I saw you again. <laughs> I think that um, we believe that our leaders need to be as, as close to the action as as they possibly can be, or they can't make great decisions. So when we have our bars, uh, uh, we call our board meeting mission control here at Brewdog. So when we have our bars team mission control, then the six or seven people that sit in that exec team for our bars, we absolutely insist that we all if the meeting's on a Monday, then we'll all work a shift, a full shift in the bars the weekend before that, so that when we go into the meeting room on the Monday, then we, and we make decisions that seriously impact the lives of our teams, our shareholders, our consumers, then we're making them with a clear, recent and direct insight as to what actually happens in our pubs and not just our perception from a meeting room table of what happens in our pubs. Yeah, which actually makes complete logical sense. Does doesn't it? <laughs> so um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm not sure how. Often, you know, we have to fight hard to do that because it's it's easier not to do it. But I think those things are really important. Yeah, I suppose interestingly, because you uh, at some point, and maybe this has been put on hold, but I did read that you know obviously you're you're gearing at some point to to float. Yeah, which makes sense given the the, the size that you you guys are at now. How do you think that, do you think it will change under that environment or are you going to work tooth and nail to kind of maintain the heart of that culture? You know, we've, if we think about what we do as a team um, and what I spend my time doing day in, day out, then and I was, if I was just reflecting on that right now, I was really honest about it, then I would say the biggest thing that I focus my time on is making sure that we are ferocious about making our decisions with the culture of the business at the absolute core of those of those of that decision making process. I remember joining and 
remember James saying to me, or, you know, the mission of the business is to make other people as passionate about great craft beer as we are. And then I went and visited some of the locations and, and I asked all the bartenders and managers that I met to tell me about the mission of the business. Every single one of them could repeat that passionately and verbatim. Really? And I thought, hold on a minute, hold on a minute. That's, that's a little special. Um, yeah. And because of that, and because working in, in founder-led businesses, then it's easier, I think, it's easier to try and make sure that you protect that original ethos. So because of that, we spend our time day in, day out, fighting to make sure that we don't lose those elements of culture that got us here in the first place and, and that we don't start acting big because uh, you know we think that's the right thing to do. So I think that it will be another stage in our evolution, Phil, but with the with the kind of key protagonists involved that are right now, I can't ever see us getting to a point where we don't continue to ferociously fight to protect that culture. Yeah. Okay. Well, that leads me on to a question that just popped into my head uh, on the back of all of that. And this is another heavily loaded question, so I can <laughs> feel the suspense building. Possibly the best question I've ever thought of, actually. Apart from everything, what did Brewdog do differently? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I think that there's there's one there's one clear thing, and as much as we're a business that has got involved in you know spirits and pubs and and uh, we opened a hotel a couple of years ago and, and and various bits and bobs, then I'm always incredibly impressed with the fact that the team just has a singular focus on one thing. So priority number one, two, three, four, five for us is beer. We're a beer business. Beer got us here. Yeah. Beer beer is what is is gonna get us you know, beer is what we're passionate about day in, day out. Uh, and beer is what is gonna forge our path to uh, to continued expansion and growth and delivery of our mission across the globe. So for me it's that singular focus on the liquid that got us here. We'll we live or die by what's in the can or the glass and the bottle. And I think what's amazing within the team is that whether you are in commercial team or you're in the pubs business or you're in brewing or you're in our accounts team or you're in our people team, then people in the team gen- genuinely care about making those decisions that are focused on the quality of the liquids and how well we present that liquid to our consumers. And that's the that lack of compromise at any given point of time um, was impressive at the start. And when we're a wee bit bigger now, I'm continually impressed by how much the team are focused on that. Yeah. So obviously we're, we're in a bit of a weird time at the moment. Yeah. I suppose goalposts have changed quite dramatically, but uh, assuming we, we get to the other side of this and that there is... Uh, this is beyond the new normal, which is obviously a phrase which is getting banded around a lot now. But when we get back to the real normal, if there is such a thing, what's what's the future? I mean, I obviously mentioned the float, but um, beyond that, what what's the plan? Well, well, yeah, I mean, like the if we if we do float, then that's kind of eighteen months, two years minimum away. So there's a lot of water yeah. um, between now and then. We remain cautiously optimistic about because i think we have to um about the the steady and, and kind of step-by-step reopening of the on-premise and, and our own pubs business yeah and 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 we still intend to forge ahead with our 
our, our openings program at the other side of this and we've been working hard on ensuring that we're we're still geared up and in a position to be able to execute against that we hope that some opportunity in, in pubs and retail appear at the other side of this as well 30 40 percent of our business is in is in is beer that we sell into supermarkets and grocery and and um, and that's that's going well for us at the moment one very interesting byproduct of 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 the last couple of months is that our 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 direct to consumer business, our e-com business, has has gone through the roof. So right. we we plan to expand. That's only in the UK at the moment, and we plan to expand that internationally. So lots still to do. We just just before this, we just launched our brewery tap room in Australia. So we're you know we're kind of halfway through, not even halfway through, launching into into that market. That's our fourth um, our fourth brewery around the around the world. So Ellen in in Scotland, the US. Germany and Australia, and we were in, you know, we were in ninety, hundred percent year-over-year growth in in America as well. And we've, you know, despite the fact that the pubs have been closed, our own locations have been closed, then we uh, we think that they'll they'll come back online before the UK does. Um, then we see lots right. and lots of continued opportunity in America as well. So we we remain, yeah, optimistic. I think the the plans and and our path forward remain ambitious and audacious and but first things first i think we recognize that we've got a job to do right now just to make sure that we navigate the next few months look after our team as best we possibly can yeah. and ensure that every part of the business survives in a way that is set up to take whatever opportunities appear at the other at the other side of this so the, the mission forges on for us and you know that that was a that's a long-term strategy and this is a very, very difficult, challenging, and unfortunate, you know, uh, blip in that plan. Um, so we're, you know, we're we're finding we're we're finding this the most difficult period that we've ever traded through, and I think everyone feels the same. But yeah, the team are starting to think about the future a little bit more. I think we're starting to see aspects of our international business warm back up as some of the lockdowns are relaxed, and and you know, we opened our. Oslo, Brewdog Oslo reopened this week, so that was the first European Brewdog bar to reopen. Right. So that was quite a, that was quite a good milestone for us. So um, yeah. um, we launched uh, we launched Brewdog Hop Drop, which is our delivery platform, a couple of weeks ago, which allows you to get draft beer from our locations direct to your house within an hour. So we've used this as a way to fast track the development of our delivery program. So we're starting to see the team looking forward and and trying to take advantage of hopefully some opportunity, whilst we also deal with the the challenges ahead. Yeah, I, I mean history will tell us that. Out I'm sure, of, if that answers that or not. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I, I, I was, uh, history will tell us that um, out of adversity, there's always a mountain of positivity, and I've certainly yeah. seen. I almost feel like this is rocked the the industry to to its absolute core that's made everybody realize that we're all in this together and and actually we'd be better placed to collectively deal with it and and come up with solutions and that seems to me certainly from the outside looking in what's happening at the moment you need to be balanced i think you need to be balanced there's some really difficult stuff i mean incredibly difficult stuff but also i think that the the team in the sector and consumers need to see a little bit of, of, of optimism as well and yeah and for me you know i've always been passionate about pubs and I think they're incredibly important to communities. I think they're incredibly important to society. I think they're great places for people to deliver 
build great careers and um, and I think they offer you know a social environment and escapism and real uh, and a, a, a real a really important environment and and you're right they've been rocked a little bit but I firmly firmly believe that you know beer and hospitality and pubs bring people together during periods of adversity so yeah I think it's our job to make sure that when we slowly and steadily get back open again and by gosh we need the right levers of government support to make sure that we can open in a way that protects as many businesses and jobs as possible we could probably do another podcast on that um, yeah. <laughs> um, um, and, and i've spoken a lot about that over the last few weeks or so but we when we do i think it's our job as operators and hospitality to make sure that as well as welcoming people back into safe clean environments where they feel comfortable that we offer them that escapism and that social environment that they will be longing for yeah the more and more this the more and more this lockdown goes on I, I saw uh, a webinar just the other day about it was just a statistical based research about that uh, indications are that getting back into to pubs and restaurants are third on people's priorities list behind seeing family and seeing friends yeah. which is encouraging from a consumer perspective but at the same time you've got to temper the uh, the encouragement with a bit of realism I guess that 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 you know there's a, a lot of headwind to get through yet. There is, and there's so many of those. You know, the recent YouGov stats that said, okay, well, you know, whatever it was, 45% of people w- would feel even if the lockdown was relaxed, they wouldn't be comfortable going into a pub, and you totally understand that. From that, I read 55% of people are happy to, and we can build it from there. Yeah, um, and and I think that's the way we have to try and approach it. However, you know, that's a that that's idealistic to a certain extent, but I think hospitality is resilient. I don't think hospitality is resilient enough to survive that period of relaunching, reopening and managing whatever is in place from a social distancing perspective um, and managing the the time it takes to get consumer behavior back where it needs to be. I don't think we're resilient enough to do that without a little bit of help. (laughs) Um, And the burning issues of what are the guidelines on distancing? How pragmatic are they? What are the guidelines on the tapering of the the essential tapering of the job retention scheme and what are what is our solution where we get government tenants, landlords around the table and we all realise that we all have to take a little bit of a hit here and find a pathway that supports us all through this. Um, yeah. Those things still need to be resolved. But you're right in what you said earlier. I think the sector is more aligned on those challenges than ever and that gives us, I think, a good chance of forging a way through. Yeah, I agree. Final question. I'm conscious of time, but uh, what would you say to somebody who was considering a career in hospitality? I would say it was one of the best options for uh, for a, a young person to start to really, really learn about uh, working in a business environment or a retail-focused environment. So I think there are so many brilliant examples out there of people who have built fantastic long-term careers in hospitality and they all started in the same way that I did you know pouring pipes on a Friday and Saturday night or waiting tables on a Friday Saturday night or or bussing tables or working as a kitchen porter and then caught the bug but 
when they caught that bug, they could see that there was a path through. I think the business, I think the industry's got better and better at formalizing that process for people to really learn and develop. Um, and you know, as, as I said, I was lucky enough early on to go into a kind of graduate scheme. Uh, and over and above that, I think we are getting better at telling the story to the wider world that hospitality, to your point from earlier, is not just about a graft away X amount of double shifts a week and a poor pints and that's it. But hospitality is actually an incredible opportunity to develop a meaningful and long-term career where you can learn skills about running a business that are absolutely transferable to loads of other sectors as well. So I, I would, I would, yeah. I'm slightly biased, but I would actively encourage it, and uh, and I would say that my, you know, uh, my personal experience is that, you know, I learned more through that first two or three years of working in hospitality than I did uh, certainly about operating and running a business than I did through any part of my more formal education. Yeah. No, I couldn't agree more. Excellent. I think that, that feels like a, a lovely place to, to wrap it up. Sure. Thank you very much, David. It's been, I really appreciate you making time in this period. It's been good to, to get a, a sense of your story and I wish you and, and your business all the very best through this next spell. Thank you very much. I hope that was useful and it was great to, it was great to chat through the, the story a wee bit i'll never forgive you for reminding me how old i am now um, yeah <laughs> and 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 the next time you next time you and the dog come for a wander past the past the brew dog bar the the beers are on us oh we won't be walking past we'll be right in <laughs> cheers sir. nice one cheers take care cheers and there we have it great to spend some time with david talking about his story and some of the great work that brew dog are doing don't forget, we launch a brand new episode each week, so hit that subscribe button and leave us a five-star written review. It really does make a massive difference. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.